It is bright and early on Friday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm running solo because Frank the Tank left me and went coyote hunting. Uh, it snowed here in Colorado, so Frank last night came upstairs and said, Sir, do you need me on the podcast? And uh, I said, No. And so I'm hanging solo with my good friend TJ Perez out of the great state of Arizona. <laughs> thanks for coming on. How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. Good, good. Things are good. Um, it's Friday. And I have a lot of archery shit coming in the mail today. And uh, we're doing actually some photo photography stuff indoors. And that's what this podcast is about, is photography. Nice, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell, uh, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, tell everyone, one, how you and I met. And then two, how you got into photography. Because on from the outside looking in, TJ's one of those guys that did it right. He didn't... Uh, Hey, okay, well, one, PJ probably knows more than I do now about photography, but two, he actually read the manual. He actually learned what to do. He didn't have any crazy questions about, you know, things that you can learn from reading the manual, learning online, and you didn't mess around. You stair-stepped it up at the level you should have, I, I think, and now you shoot professionally. You make money doing it, but yet yeah, kind of go into all that, how we met, and then kind of your your stair step as far as photography went? Um, so I, I think, I think I first met you, I was looking for a pack. Uh, I was running a, a pack with a long name <laughs> and then, uh, and I just had some issues with it. And then I think I found, I found a couple of videos on YouTube and then, um, that was just the time that, uh, Greedy Bowman had started and then Brian did a podcast with you. And then, um, I think like, like September of 15, uh, I called you and you kind of undersold me on the system that I wanted. I think I wanted an EMR two and a whole bunch of stuff. And you just told me, a DT, you said a DT one would be better, um, kind of saving me some money. And then, uh, and then after I had ordered and everything, I think like two weeks later, you gave me a call and asked me if I had any questions, um, which you kind of, you don't get customer service that like that. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a fucking customer for life because you, you just, you know, you can't buy that in a company. So we kind of hit it off. And then, um, you did podcast with Brian continuously and talking about photography and then following you along. And so come, I think like January 2016, actually, yeah, it's almost exactly the other day was three years. Um, I bought a 70D and then the Nifty 50, the, the Canon 50 millimeter 1.8. And then uh, I took like 10 photos of my dog and I showed my wife, well, now my wife. And I said, well, for $300 more, I can, uh, I can have full frame and I won't have to upgrade for a while, which ended up being a lie, but <laughs> it happens. Uh, so I returned it the next day, got the 60. Um, and then I ran that for about a year. And then I, we were at a family trip to the dune and I took a photo of this guy's razor, uh, who owns a construction company that we're friends with. And he's like, I didn't know you did photography. And it was like a night photo where the lights are all on and the stars are out in the photo. And he's like, I, I'd like to hire you to do construction photos. So I reached out to you. Um, and at the time you were running Sony. So I got that Sony a seven R two which for stills photography, for 
like a low frame rate and just landscape. It's a, it's truly, it is a great camera. Um, battery life stuff, but besides the point. So I, I kind of jumped in with both feet, got the uh, A7R2, um, and then I bought a, a bunch of lenses. And then I got working into more like professional photography with flash and everything. And then I had a lot of banding issues. So what banding is, is, uh, when you shoot uh, with an electronic shutter, it'll have uh, lines on the photo, and you're not going to – I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I was like, well, this fucking sucks, and I'm, like, taking these photos, and I don't know why. So basically, when ambient and artificial light clash, uh, you'll see – like, you have it in the same environment, you'll see those standing lines. And it happens even if you're not using flash. So if you're in, let's say, a bar or whatever, and you're taking photos, and then – uh, you're using window light, but there's there's like LED lighting inside. You'll you'll see those as well. And then being in Arizona and it's hot as shit, I had a lot of overheating issues with that camera and the the uh, the autofocus wasn't the greatest um, in that camera. And so I reached out to you and because I saw the D850 come out and I'm like that camera looks pretty sick. And I was contemplating that or the A7R3, and then you got the D850, and I was like, so we talked on the phone for about an hour, and I said, okay, I'm I'm getting the D850, and I, I haven't looked back. It's been a year now, and I love that camera. I, I take it everywhere. Yeah, now that camera's the bomb.com. I was actually talking with another guy yesterday about it, um, where where it'll sway towards... A Sony is just saving weight if you're carrying it, but as yeah. far as just you're not going to get the um, wildlife photography, um, you know, lens wise especially. But you're and you know that I explain this because people call and you know if you got a thousand dollar budget, you're kind of you know out of the realm of what TJ and I are talking about right now in the sense of these cameras and bodies because you'll spend a thousand dollars on a cheap lens, but the 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 850 and the Sony A7R3 aren't that much different um, from internal components side by side. They they both have about the same frame rate. Um, processors not much different. You know, lens wise though, this the uh, Nikon is is kind of crushing the Sony, and that's a big um, uh, thing to look at, especially if you get into wildlife photography, uh, sporting events, things like that. Um, you know, and I don't want to go into that too, too, too much, but if, if you're wanting to go varsity and do it right, definitely those two cameras are the ones to look at. But if you're going to do, um, uh, you know, backpacking in or whatever, the 850 is going to be a little bit bigger. Um, but it's probably going to take a better photo and it's definitely going to be better long-term when you look at multiple lenses, in my opinion, things like that. Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree. And like, if you're wanting to do, I like what I tell if you have a good budget and you're wanting to get in wildlife, which not a lot of people that contact me have, but, and you don't want to go full frame that D 500, I don't know if you've looked into that, but that camera, it's like a mini D 850 and it's kind of base. It's, it's kind of the same layout, um, as it, I think it does 10 frames per second. Um, the D 850 does nine with the battery grip, which I don't, I don't think you run with the D five battery, but, um, it does seven if you don't have the grip, but I, I always recommend the D500 and then like that 
200 to 500, five, six, um, that can get you into it for, for about three grand, um, which I think truly that's the cheapest legitimate system into getting into wildlife, which I, I haven't even got into. That's the lens I want to get. So, yeah. And I mean, a 750 Nikon is one I suggest a lot. The one you're talking about is one obviously, obviously the Sony's I, I talk to guys about those as well. I don't really talk about Canon a whole, whole lot. They're, they're kind of running behind the the power curve but we've we've kind of let's step back a little bit because people are probably confused on what the hell we're talking about anyway um <laughs> and 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 kind of just because i want to knock this out is about the only more any <laughs> i don't want to do any more photography podcasts other than this one and try and cover everything we we can and so you know starting out um and i've talked about this before and i mentioned this just a second ago with tj is um if you want to truly get into photography no matter what camera you have. So if you have anything from, you know, one of the more, um, oh, let's say a Canon T5i, I think that's a, a big one people get, or a Nikon Coolpix, read the manual and learn ISO, shutter speed, um, what your f-stop is, white balance. Um, you know, it, it, like I run in aperture priority a lot in good lighting situations and I, I'll bump my exposure v value up and down a hair. Well, I usually don't bump it up, but I'll bump it down a hair when needed. I run like ISO. I just run it as low as I possibly can to get still get a good photo. You know, I run ISO manually constantly. I pay attention to my histogram and I just shoot the lowest ISO I can and still get the photo I want. I don't really have you know, I'll talk to guys that'll, you know, there's a certain level they won't go above, which is a good idea, but I couldn't tell you from one photo to the next other than a guess. I just run it as low as I can. And, uh, you know, because once you get higher SO, you'll get more, it gets a little bit grainier. Um, but why yeah. don't you talk a little bit about um, the different settings on a camera, you know, what people need to really look at when they're getting into it, and then we'll kind of bounce back and forth on that for a few minutes. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, I, I typically, uh, I'll step back. When I started, uh, I really, I watched a lot of tutorials. Um, probably Michael the Maven is one I started out with, the kind of off Brian Call's recommendation. And then um, I also uh, bounced between that and Chelsea, Tony and Chelsea Northrup on, um, like, overview of cameras. So whatever camera you buy, I would highly recommend um, those two um to uh, look into like the overall layout and you can kind of learn your camera that way. So after you buy it, have the camera with you while you're watching this tutorial um, and they can kind of go over and you're a lot more familiar with it. And I, I just brought my camera everywhere. And so I was able to learn on the settings because I would, I would first um, kind of how I look at it is I, I set my aperture. So that's how open or close the, uh, the lens is and then also the more open the lens is is the blurrier the photo will be in the background so that shallow depth of field and that kind of changes also is like on distance so people are kind of scared to shoot wide open at like let's say an aperture of 1.8 um i i shoot that kind of religiously for like volleyball uh for sporting events just because that the lighting indoors for like high school or middle school games is horrible and uh, you want that lowest ISO. So if you're farther distance and you can look it up and based upon your focal length, 
you have a greater depth of field based upon how far back you are from the subject. Um, so I'll set my aperture, and then depending on the scenario, I'll set the shutter speed. So typically you want the shutter speed to be as fast as you can be um, w without having any type of grain in the photo, like setting your ISO. So I, I do the same thing. My ISO, like during the day, it rarely goes above 400. Like it sometimes maybe in the shade, it'll go over 400, but um, I run it as low as possible. Um, and then like doing long exposures, obviously yeah, that shutter speed, it's gonna be longer and, and everything on that as well. So, I mean, it's just, you kind of have to take into effect, like, what story are you trying to tell with how the photo's composed and, and like, your aperture. So, if you want everything to be in the focus, you're going to have an aperture, let's say, anywhere from, to, I think, F8 to F9 is kind of where I bounce between. But I really, I, sh I shoot a lot in low light. So, I'll, I'll take a landscape photo at 2.8 or 3.5. And I don't, I mean, I'd rather get the shot than have it just be super blown out. I was in Banff uh, right before Christmas and at the top of the gondola and they're like, you overlook the city and the city lights uh, were so bright with the cloud cover that I had it at like F9. I don't remember what my ISO was and the, the street lights were extremely blown out on a 30 second it just looked horrible in the 30 second photo. So I, I dropped it down to F, I think 3.5 is what the settings I posted up. So I could run a lower ISO, I think it was 400 or, or something. And, and uh, I actually submitted it at my day job because I haven't fully gone full, full photography full time, but um, it got submitted for like photo of the day or whatever. And getting all these compliments They're like, how did you get it to look good? And I said, but the ISO, I think truly the difference between a professional photographer and just like a, if you want to say amateur or hobbyist, is their ISO, and that goes for video and photo. The ISO really, really jacks up your photo, and, and that's kind of where you're going to say, oh, okay, this photo looks extremely clean, or this one, you can tell that was an iPhone pick or whatever. Right, and one thing I'll bring up for a, a good, that, that people might understand is, when you buy a, a camera and you have it set up on, uh, you know, it's constantly in, in auto, everything. And you, you take a photo initially and, uh, you know, it, 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 and when you go to, you know, pop it up on the computer and it was a low light situation and the photo's just horrible and it's extremely grainy. That's because that, that camera probably bumped that ISO to like 6,400 or something, maybe more than that, right? Yes. Just super high ISO. And it it's basically faking, this is a bad way to put it, but it's faking whatever light is in it. It's enhancing whatever light is in the photo, uh, but it causes a lot of grain, and that's a piss-poor job to explain it. So what a true, a good example, you know that photo I have of Amy drinking coffee with the steam coming out of the cup? in the sawtooth yeah that's that, that photo's <clears throat> badass that's one of my favorite and it's not an easy photo fuck no to, it's to not do. <laughs> <laughs> well and i try to explain people to this is this when i started to be able to take photos like that and and crush them i knew i had it licked at least this part part of photography 
because I could set that up and I actually got that photo in a fairly short period of time. You know, I, it took a few sets to get it right because you've got harsh light with the headlamp trying to catch the yeah. steam coming out also and stop that steam and not make the steam too blurry, not make it too static or whatever you want to call it. And and this is where it comes into play um, on each scenario and situation to be able to at least walk in with a relatively decent idea to get started. I always stop. St I, I pick apart from the harshest light down. And so much like you did. Yeah. You know, actually, lately, I kind of, man, I've been using um, different stop filters for the shots you're talking about to be able to cheat the system on the damn lights. Because when you go to take, like TJ's talking about, shots and you have um, unnatural light or man-made, you know, you, you have light bulbs, you have car artificial. lights. Oh, thank you. Yeah, artificial lights. They really just screw you in the drive-through. Um because yeah. when it's low light, you have to bump up your ISO. And if you need a little bit more depth of field, you don't have as much light. And so I've been able to, depending upon the situation, started to screw around with a lot more filters to cheat the system a little bit. Again, that's starting to get you know, much higher level photography. Um, you know, I've been doing a, lot of, <laughs> oh, geez, doing a lot of cityscape photos lately practicing i'll send you some of um cars coming around the corner in the city and i'm using like a three five uh three four five six stop filter and dude it's amazing because the lights are just super creamy but they're they're curved right and so yeah it, it's pretty wild because what that's made me do is kind of reassess and go back and take shots that i had kind of screwed up in the past because of artificial lighting but you got to know what you're doing because you're running manual on everything you definitely have to um either put your timer on a delay or you're going to get like shutter shake or whatever when you push the shutter yeah. button anyway going back to it advanced here let's back up a little bit um <laughs> when when people when you're wanting to get into photography and you know and i get this question i'm sure you get it as much as i do okay this is my budget this is whatever you know Get the best camera you can afford. I am not the guy to ask on a low-budget camera. Go, in my opinion, go to B&H Photo, look at the reviews, type in what you think you want. I've never found B&H to lie too much as far as the reviews go. No, if it's, they're, they're solid. Oh, dude, if it sucks, people go ham on it. If it's good, people talk yeah. about it. So if you've got $800 to $1,000, you, 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 know, you may want to get a really good well, thousands pushing it, but you can get like that Sony RX100, an amazing point and shoot camera, um, you know, but you can get on there and find what you want uh, and then, you know, start learning photography. But if you were going to bracket down, you go, you give your list and I'll give mine. What are like the top 10 things people need to think about while taking, when, when thinking about getting into photography or when they first get a camera? like from the top to the bottom, from the most rudimentary shit all the way up until you're getting to more expert level, what would be the top 10 things to think about? Um, I probably could have truly, prepped you for that question. Is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't know if I have 10 on top, but we'll get there. Uh, I would say, obviously, budget being number one. You, you uh, Under a, like a 1,000, anywhere from 800 to 1,000, um, I, I think you can do – it's pretty doable. It's when you have a 400 or 500 budget. $500 budget that it's kind of like just buy whatever you can afford. Um, but yeah, so I'd say obviously price, but um, photo or video, I'd say is number one on what you want to consider. 
Um, like obviously, uh, unless you get like something like the Nikon D850, Nikon isn't going to be something you want for video. Tr- truly, it's going to be Canon or Sony. Um, and then, uh, and then obviously, like what what kind of story are you trying to tell? What what type of lenses that you're going to get would be next? So anything from like a 14 millimeter for wide blown out landscapes to like a 70 to 200 where you're you can do sports, you can do, uh, I'd say, like, tame wildlife. Um, and then uh, and then the next 10 things, damn. Uh, <laughs> I would say probably kind of just, uh, like, SD cards. If you, like, when you jump into, when you jump into um, higher-end cameras, you don't want to buy a, an SD card from Walgreens. Um, that's like those blue ones that just like the big 16 on them. I mean, you, those are probably not so hot for your camera, but, um, yeah, I'd say. Well, I'll give you an example and then you'll oh. see what I'm talking about. And I think you'll be able to knock out the top 10 list okay. easier because I see where you're kind of getting at here. Um, but so the, the one thing I would say is, um, always have your camera with you so if you're going to get into photography and you i got you yeah you you buy uh whatever let's say you spend two grand right you get tax money and you're going you're going varsity um always have that camera with you uh this is going to be maybe not in order but i would say that is number one the rest of these are probably be you know (laughs) a little bit bounced around two if you're buying a camera don't necessarily be worried about buying a new one you can buy very yeah. good used cameras from people like TJ and I who go through too much camera gear and get a hell of a camera for a less amount. Um, one of the things I think is very important when you're starting out is um, it, shoot what you love. If you love your dogs, photograph your dogs because your heart's going to be into it and you're probably going to be more willing to learn. Um, if you love your kids yep. playing sports, if you just like taking landscape photos, Focus on those first, and so your heart is into it more, and you're putting more effort, I guess you could say, um, into it. Uh, when you're starting to to photograph, don't just learn learn the camera settings; they're important. But learn how to compose a photo. Learn like the big do's and don'ts. Like, you know, there's going to be photos that at eight o'clock in the morning or on a cloudy day will crush it and let just people be astounded to where you compare it at noon, compared it noon, harsh light, you know, shadow, you know, shadow, sun, shadow, sun, horrible, you know, yeah. And, and learn when you, when you're wanting to take a photo, learn how to compose it and learn kind of some of the pros and cons. Um, you know, that the next one I would say would be tripod. Even if it's a cheap piece of shit, gorilla tripod, get some type of tripod. Um, and, and that will help a lot. So I've kind of give you a few lists there. Go ahead and knock it out after that. You kind of got an idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely definitely the camera with you. Um, I think it's the biggest. Um, I bring my camera almost every – obviously, like, if I'm driving to my day job, um, I don't bring my camera necessarily, but I always have my camera with me. It's a pain in the ass. You're not going to want to take it. But then when you see something, especially, like, if it's cloudy – uh i my camera's in my car or whatever like i I always bring it um that's that's definitely something that's that's probably the biggest um i i would say that you're probably you're not as um 
limited as you think your knowledge is what limits you more than your gear. Meaning I think once you know your gear better, you're way less limited. It's usually knowledge that, that limits people. Meaning I've seen get some guys take some pretty kick-ass photos with some pretty subpar gear compared to what like TJ and I are shooting. And me being me, I always over geared myself compared to knowledge for quite some time. It was a while before my knowledge caught up with my gear. Um, but you know, if you are going to get into fitness, you're going to go to the gym all the time. You're probably going to get health and fitness magazine. You're going to go get supplements, whatever. Photography is no different. You know, you don't want to piss money away constantly, but you definitely want to be an art of the, um, the hobby art of the sport where you're constantly learning and evolving. And that's one thing why I wanted to get TJ on here is you went from jack shit to a extremely high level in three years. Um, because you never really slacked off. You constantly kept learning to a point where there's a lot of crap, you know, I would say post-processing you crush me in that. Um, you know, I'm good at post-processing in the sense of I know how to adjust photos as far as, like, the presets and, like, hit this button to do... Yeah, I suck, man. Like, you know, I just... <laughs> I need to learn that way better than I do. The other thing, too, and and I, I would say, um, uh, it, you know, definitely have your camera with you, but also get the camera out and inopportune times, even though you don't want to fry your camera, that's easier said than done. But TJ made a good point and he nailed it. It is a pain in the ass to have a camera around all the time. Um, but some of the best shots I've gotten are pulling that camera out when things just suck. Um, but they capture a moment and that's hard to do if you don't have it. They're my favorite when the weather is like just real fucked up. Like I am like, I get, like, goosebumps and, like, I want to go shoot. Like, and everyone's like, wait, you want to go, like, you have your camera out? We were in Park City for New Year's, um, and we're snowboarding, and it's, uh, it's like, really just, like, the storm is horrible. They had to have been some of the most badass photos I've ever taken, like, in the snow. Um, and I did a before and after. My buddy James actually, we're, uh, it's his 40th, it was his 40th birthday yesterday, weren't got to snowboard this weekend but i took a photo and i did a before and after and i i kind of told everyone this is why i shoot raw and um and i say that's that's something i would recommend if you're just shooting photos of your dog i you could shoot jpeg but i personally and, and i know you said recently like on a recent podcast that you started more shoot um or on the last photography series that you're shooting more in jpeg um I really only shoot in raw uh, just because of like how much data that photo retains. I posted a photo of him. Um, you can check back on my Instagram, whatever, and the before and after. And it seriously is him dark. You can't even really see his face and goggles and stuff. But then I brought out all the shadows and everything in post and there's like snow everywhere. It just looks like a Christmas wonderland or whatever. And everyone's like, Oh my God, that photo's awesome. I would have deleted that. But I, I think shooting in raw, uh, and you retain those highlights in shadows. Um, and definitely uh, something I do is I shoot underexposed almost always. Um, other than in the snow, the snow, like you said, it tricks your camera and you have to shoot, um, overexposed. I shoot anywhere from 0.7 to a full stop overexposed. 
Um, and if people, but, if but you're yeah, having questions about what TJ's saying, this is a prime example. Google it. If you don't understand over and yeah. under exposure, man, there's tons of videos. Just Google it. It'll pull up on YouTube. And this is a good way for you to learn is just type that in. But go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to yeah. say that. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Yeah, YouTube YouTube is where I learned um, that, that truly in, in taking the camera and actually applying what I learned off of YouTube towards the camera and I'll go watch a video and then if it's an opportune time, I'll go take the photo and come back and I'm like, oh, well, that looks like shit. And, and then I'll like, okay, and then take note of, like and, and mess with your camera. Turn those dials. And then when you get back and you throw it in Lightroom, um, which is which I recommend, um, I I've messed with Capture One a little bit. It's another post processing which I, I didn't I didn't care for too much. Lightroom, I would stick to Lightroom personally. But uh, but so put the put the photos in. Look at your settings, and then look at the quality of the photo. And you're like, well, if this one looks like shit, like don't do that. Then like say, okay, the ISO is too high. This is my threshold on my camera because each camera is going to be different. And if you're not running such a high level, um, body like Aaron and myself, um, you're not going to be able to have the same ISO sensitivity. Uh, and so if you don't know what ISO is, it's basically artificial light in your sensor that helps aid, um, brightening the photo. I, I guess that's kind of a lame term of, of how to explain it like lynda.com i mess with that a little bit it's a little boring I, I need a little humor uh and like some personality in the videos i watch so lynda.com is good for we for paid getting for into it, dude, it but that's my last resort because it's boring as shit but they yeah, do they are very dude. intelligent <laughs> you know they're yeah they're extremely knowledgeable uh, but i'm like i'd rather just like go learn it myself and waste the whole day learning then sit there and I'm like I can't do this I rip my eyes out but um it so like I'll kind of knock off some of the YouTube um channels that I watch I actually posted them on my story I think yesterday somebody asked me what they were um but like mainly the the ones that I watch um Peter McKinnon I don't know if you watch any of his stuff here I but have he, off and he, on that he just pops up anyway. You know what I mean? Like he'll pop yeah, up dude, just searching. He's a, yeah, he's a fucking badass behind the camera. Like he's he's pretty legit. Um, I, I would say that's really where my like you um, following you and getting into it. You and him kind of had the biggest like um, influence on my style of photography. Um, obviously, not when it comes to flash portraits. But, uh, uh, but like just landscape and, and everything, um, like Tony and Chelsea Northrup are another good one. They're a little, they're not necessarily like really upbeat, but, uh, he, they know their way around a camera. Um, Frono's photo. Uh, he, I hate he, that motherfucker. He, <laughs> dude, he's annoying, <laughs> but I sometimes just have to watch his shit, uh, just to like, okay, what is he putting out? Uh, but he, dude, he is annoying. I, it, yeah. Um, and if you're wanting to get into the like portraits, um, I'll list these like, it, it, uh, Manny Ortiz, he's a Sony shooter. Yeah. He's a good like DP. Francis. Yeah. Uh, he, he goes by FJH photo. Um, it's like Francisco something Hernandez. He's a younger dude, but he's, he's pretty legit. 
Um, and then uh, also there's another guy that kind of run in Peter McKinnon's crew, but uh, Maddie Hoopja, or I think it is, and then like Alan Polander, and then Chris Howe. Um, they're all solid. Matt Granger is another and, guy I listen to. Oh yeah, Matt Granger. Yeah, he he's pretty good. Um, but yeah, those are those are kind of the ones that I kind of run off of. And and then another one only for lenses, and he's kind of like, do you watch the Angry Photographer? He's the yeah, I have the fat guy. The, hey, Matt. He's the, yeah, with the ball, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's bald and has tattoos everywhere. Um, I took a recommendation for a lens because um, I was I wanted to get a macro lens because I I like I like just the they look really badass for photos like I, not even I don't even do a lot of macro work other than like I'll do product shots in my living room on my table or whatever but um, he suggested a Tokina 100 millimeter 2.8 macro it's like $300 or something compared to the $900 Nikon one. And dude, the, the autofocus isn't fast. Um, but dude, the photos like that, it renders, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's a legit lens. Um, but it's not weather sealed. Uh, I don't know if it's a, like the autofocus, like it extends from the lens, like it's real slow. Uh, but it's, it's pretty legit. And that in like the, the, the contrast rendition on it, which that looked that up. That's not something I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but I know, I know what it is looking at it. But uh, yeah, I, I think that he's a good one for for Nikon lenses. If you run Nikon, he doesn't do, he doesn't shoot Sony or Canon or anything. But yeah, well, and you know when you the the good thing about those all of those different channels all talk about the same stuff. In one way, you know, when I say same stuff, you're going to be able to learn on yeah. all of those channels. One of them's probably going to annoy you. One of them you're going to like and you're going to find. But those are all good channels to take a look at to learn. Because like Chelsea and um, what's it, her husband, what's his name? Tony. Uh, Tony. They're, they're Tony. pretty, they're pretty, they make me laugh. They're, they're funny at times. And I remember like, yeah. for example, they were talking, getting pissed off about the Sony that, you know, the. It's it's a it's a full frame mirrorless, but getting dust on the sensor, and I remember he tried to blow yeah. it off, and he blew snot on it, or she did, and I'm like, yeah, I've been there, you know, <laughs> on that rooftop of it, yeah, 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 yeah. and you you know, so they're going to be um, realistic to what you're going to face as well. Most of those guys, some of them, like the angry photographer, he's just kind of a fat dude that sits there and talks shit, but he does have some good knowledge. But you know, those things are the ones you can hop on and and learn as you go and 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 much like tj i would watch some of that get an idea and then i would run out the house and go apply it if i screwed it up to bad which i generally could figure it out i'd come back watch a little bit more watch a different channel and let's let's take a, a an example of um if you are going to go and you're just going to let's just say photograph an archery tournament so, you know what I mean? You're just going to go shoot and take some photos. Right away, I mean, what 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 lenses would you take if you were going to go, you're going to shoot, so, you you know, weight is an issue or whatever, you don't have too much shit around you. What lenses would you take if you're going to do an archery tournament? Um, I, I'm going to shoot something fast. Uh, and you, you can get by it pretty cheap. I have a, I think, an 85-1.8 for the price. Um, that's a great, that's a great, great lens. 
um, that you can run and it's not too far in and it's not too close. Um, I, I, I think a 35 and 85 are a really good combo. Um, especially if you have a one, eight, one, four, uh, and that's the aperture. And, uh, I, I think that's probably the best. And like, if you're trying to get obviously like a blown out scenery of everything, you're going to want something anywhere from like a 14 to a 20 millimeter. Um, and then if, it, depending on the venue, I guess that would that would help me um, uh, on uh, lens selection. But you might even throw in a seventy to two hundred two eight. Um, I used to when I had a Canon that sixty, I had the f four um, seventy two hundred, and I hated that lens because, like, even trying to shoot track photos, like it just like the you can't get a fast enough shutter speed without really cranking your ISO. Um but I, I would say the three main ones would probably be a like a thirty five, a eighty five and like a seventy two hundred. Um I, I think those kind of cover your basis. Thirty five millimeters probably my favorite focal length. And and so to go uh to kind of bounce off what, what TJ's talking about, when he says a fast lens, which I say all the time just to make sure people understand when you talk about a fast lens, that is where you can go with a really shallow depth of field and let a lot of light in. So when light can be an, an issue for sure. So when you say fast, an F4 is kind of fast, but not super fast. That's average. When you go to like a 2.8, you're starting to get into a really fast lens where you can really let a lot of light in and you won't have a lot that's in focus but you can't have the best of all worlds all the time. And that's what he's talking about with a fast lens. And then as far as the different sizes of lenses, that is always going to be something you need to take into consideration when you're walking in to photograph something from a wedding all the way down to you're going to photograph your kid's soccer game. Um, and a lot of guys, some guys only shoot prime lenses, and some guys will shoot uh, lenses that are adjustable in the focal length. And some guys would go to an archery shoot and just grab a 24 to 70, 28, or f4 and try and and get everything they can out of that one lens. For for example, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially like for me, that's usually me because I'm too lazy to be changing lenses because I'm also trying to shoot. But if I wasn't trying to shoot what TJ just listed, that is exactly what I bring. If I just got paid to shoot an archery tournament, I'd bring those three. If I'm trying to shoot and take photos, my ass is probably bringing one lens because I'm too lazy to change around. Now, let's talk about you, we'll talk about your three lenses, why you would bring those and for what situation, and then I'll go over mine. So why are you bringing those three and what would you use each one for as you're photographing? We're just talking about, uh, 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 let's say, a total archery challenge, shots from 35, 40 yards, cliff shots out to 110 on the side of a ski resort. You know, what would you use each one for? Uh, so 35 millimeter, um, that's, I think it's, it's probably my go-to lens for everything. It's pretty wide, um, you, and, and you can get a good composition of, like, the subject, but then also, like, tell the story in the dead, like, the, the space around it. And, and you can also do, like, portraits with it. You can kind of move in close and get it. But So it's going to get anywhere from, 
uh, it's going to get your wider shots, but it's not going to be so wide that your subject looks distorted. Um, just look that up. Uh, and, like you're not going to shoot portraits with a 14 millimeter. It's not going to look good. But so a 35, I, I think it's pretty much the, might get a portrait of an elephant. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, talk, talk about that real quick so people understand. A lot of guys for portrait photography will go well over 100 millimeter. Um, but what TJ's talking about is is framing the subject. So you wouldn't want to use a 14 millimeter because it's one of the widest lenses you'll find. You're not going to be framing shit because you can fit 95 subjects in the photo rather than one on a, on a portrait photo to make sure people understand what tj's talking about a wide a 14 millimeter is for landscape is for a lot yeah. of stuff jammed in that lens where an 80 85 90 whatever that is where you're into a portrait photo to where it's cropped not cropped but it's framed around one subject and very crisp you're going to isolate someone yeah and so like the 35, you can, you can get someone kind of, you can get everyone kind of in the photo. I think it's a great camp lens. Um, that's, that's typically what I bring, uh, shooting sh shots around camp. But, um, it, and then, so I would have the 35, um, and be kind of stepped off and you can, you could, you could probably get them shooting the, the their bow with the target kind of off in the distance. Um, and you kind of be able to say, let's say they're, you're shooting that, what is, I don't remember, I've never been to total, total Archery Challenge, but I think there's like that one photo or the one shot that's like a hundred yard moose or elk or whatever it is. But you could essentially, let's say you're 10 feet back from the subject and you're kind of angled off, you could have them shooting their bow and with the arrow going off and you could have that, that elk or moose target in the distance kind of blurred out depending on what kind of uh, aperture you're running. So if you're running like at F1418, um, it's going to be blurry. But like, let's say you have it set at F9, that elk would most likely be more in focus. Um, so it's just kind of on how you want to compose that image. Um, the 85, um, it, that that's going to isolate your subject more. You're going to do more like... Uh, if, let's say you're you're going to take photos of someone like going through their pack or or like tune, like uh, tuning their bow or like knocking their arrow, you can really isolate the subject on that. And then kind of the same thing with the 7200. Um, it's along the same basis. Just you're able to reach out further. That 200 millimeter, that that's the focal length, and you're going to be able to reach out and touch something a little farther than obviously an 85. And you also um, don't have to move around as much because it is a zoom. I'm more personally of a prime guy. Um, I think it's just because I followed you and I got into it off the nifty 50. And then I, I just, I like running primes. And I think the, I think primes make you a better photographer. Uh, zooms where you can adjust the focal length. I think it kind of makes you a little lazy. And for like a 35 millimeter, 85 millimeter, you have to move your feet in order to get the composition you want. And it's not, I, I guess, unless you have a high end camera where you can, where you can go into a crop mode and, and go in. But um, yeah, I think those, those three would be my go-to. Um, if I had, if I could bring another lens, I would probably bring, I have a 14 to 24 
um, millimeter two eight. Uh, that's, I, that lens is so fucking heavy. It's a big bastard and it takes up a lot of room in your pack because it's like triangle shaped. But I would possibly bring that as well if I had the room and I wasn't shooting or, or anything. That's um, arguably one of the crispest kinda, landscape lens ever built. Uh, that 14 to oh, 24. Dude, that, yeah, that lens is it's pretty fucking sick. The only, the only thing is, is you can't run filters like we were talking about earlier. Um, unless you buy some massive, like expensive apparatus that I actually ended up buying. Um, I bought it through Benro and I have a 10 stop filter that goes on the front of it. It's like five inches by five inches and it's a fucking pain in the ass to assemble and put on. I don't use it. Uh, I don't mind not having a filter for as far as like different, like, um, like indie filters. And uh, I don't, the only thing, and I've used that lens a ton. I worry about ruining it just by not having a protective filter on it because it's yeah. so damn expensive. No, I agree. Yeah, I've almost just even like just doing shoots uh, like at events or whatever, and I've sh- I've almost bumped the front that front element. So on that fourteen to twenty four, typically, I think on every single one on every fourteen millimeter lens, it has like a a bulbous front element, so it sticks out past past like the i don't even know how it's it's out there so you have to be like conscious of where you turn that camera it's not something you're gonna just like it's not something you're running on your shoulder um and and like that peak design capture pro um it's something you're gonna put on a tripod or you're gonna just be walking around taking photos um it's not something you're gonna like be running a gun with no, no, right. And I, I actually backpacked that thing in for a long time for landscape photos when I had the 810. Um, and I got some great photos with it, and I never did ruin it. But, you know, if you can imagine the human eyeball, all right, the front side of it, that's when he talks about, like, bulbous. It, it, it is a rounded ball coming out the front of your lens, and there's not a lot of protection there. But that, that's a great, great lens. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, have you messed around with that? That 20 millimeter 1.8, I, I was looking at that because you can run it, like regular screw-on and the, um, that's something, and it's a lot more compact. And I, for in it, I heard it's supposed to be one of the best Astro lenses Nikon offers. Um, I didn't know if you've ever screwed around with it or not. I have, and I had that 24, um, and actually Danny Klum borrowed it from me, but I never got the, the 20. And, uh, you know, with, kind of going along with what you know tj had said when you're looking at getting a lens or multiple lenses a 35 or a 50 is definitely one you want to probably start with um just kind of a walk around lens that can do everything but you know when i do um and i've only actually gotten paid to photograph people shooting in an archery range twice but you know when i um and here's the big difference i want people to understand when i go shoot Uh, which most people are going to be, and I also need a lens, uh, or I also am going to take photos, I'm going to just have one lens, which I'm more of a prime guy. And that one lens is probably going to be a 24 to 70 or a 24 to 105, you know, something like that, that's going to cover where I can get fairly wide. Usually on each end of those zoom lenses, uh, you're going to be a little bit crappier photo. You're going to get maybe some chromatic aberration, um, edge-to-edge clarity issues. But... You know, for the most part, I'm going to have a little bit of reach for people walking back and forth to the targets. I'm going to have a little bit of zoom. So if I want to get the, uh, you know, arrow sitting on the arrow rest, 
you know, things like that. You know, I'm going to have a little bit of a wide angle portion to where I can get several people walking or several people in a row shooting on the practice course. You know, these are all different things you need to think about. And, and you know, the 50 and the 35 with using your feet, you can get a lot of those. It's not perfect, but you can get a lot of that stuff with those two lenses. And if I had to pick one, I, it would be difficult for me to pick between a 35 and a, and a 50. Um, I would say make sure if you get either one of those as kind of your first lens, uh, make sure and get a fast version. You know, you can get some pretty crappy 35 and 50s um, and for not very much money. I mean, hell, I think the Canon and Nikon uh, 51.8, I think you can get for like 380 bucks. Can't you? you can buy it used for a couple, like 250 Am I right about uh, that? Well, I think... I think it's the one, the Canon one four. I think you can get for three fifty. The that that Canon fifty one eight. I think it's one twenty five new. Um, the the fifty one eight from Nikon is like two fifty, and I think the Sony one is about the same. So, uh, the fifty one eight you're getting under two fifty, um, which I think is a great starter lens. Um, I I think uh, if you can bump up your budget a little bit like $600. I think, I don't know if you've messed around with it. I had it, but the Tamron 3518, dude, that lens is really, I, I wish when I went to Bali, um, in 2016, I wish I would have had more knowledge. I, I just, I'd only been, I only had been running a camera for 10 months and I wasn't fully as invested as I am now. Like, obviously I brought it everywhere and, and took photos, but I wish I had the knowledge base now, but that Tamron 3518, um, it's a great option. It's five ninety nine, I believe, and then it's weather sealed and it's stabilized. So basically, so the stabilization on that it's pretty critical. Um, in low light, you can take a, a photo at a slower shutter speed, and not and it won't be blurry. Um, I, I think that thirty five one eight is pretty legit, and it, it takes really good photos. Um, yeah, but I, I think thirty five millimeter. I think that's my that's my favorite. Um, I've only had that 518 from Canon, but other than that, I've ran the 35 millimeter 14 from Sony, and then 35 millimeter 14 from Nikon. And dude, there's some heavy fucking lenses though. They're like, you know, when it's on the camera, like it's a lot of glass, like it's heavy. <laughs> no, for for sure. And you know when you're. When you're taking these photos, all right, you talk about the lenses and whatever, we get that kind of dialed in. When you're taking different photos, you're going to want to make sure, like your background is as important as your foreground when you're taking different photos. You know, it, once you really start to master what you're doing, meaning you're not just pulling the camera up and taking a photo anymore. You are taking a photo with a purpose, not to be weird, but with your heart into the photo. So... The, the thing is, is there's going to be a disconnect of what you want to do, what your brain power allows you to do, what you've learned with the camera, and uh, what the capabilities of that camera are. And so, for, you know, for example, which you've gotten the hang of it, um, and it took me a while, there's going to be specific photos that you may want the subject to be more or less outlined and the background to be the... Um, kind of the forefront of the photo you want the bat you know you want to see that there's a guy standing there and you want to see maybe he's holding a bow but you actually really want the 3d target um you know whether it be for artistic purposes or what you're capturing in your own mind 
You're not going to be able to do that shit until you learn the camera. You're going to have to learn, one, um, the metering mode, right? You're going to have to learn what to be, where to set yep. your metering mode on. You know, the next thing you're going to have to do is learn, if you have everything on auto, pretty much guaranteed if you're firing up at an angle, something is going to be blown out to hell and something's going to be dark as shit, usually when you have yeah. everything on auto. <laughs> and this is where it comes into play, Um of doing what TJ did in a very short period of time, you just went to town and, and learned. And so, you know, for, for example, what do you on your metering mode and just Google that people, where do you generally have your metering set up at on yours or do you move it around I think all the it's time? That, ma- that matrix metering. I think it's, it, I typically, I typically, uh, meter, uh, off of the entire photo, unless I'm trying to get a specific look. So like, let's say I'm trying to like, um, make a silhouette of a person and have the the background kind of like I'll basically meter off the background then. So basically what I'm doing is it's called spot metering. So I'll adjust my uh, aperture ISO shutter speed based upon the spot that I am designating. So it might be the actual sunset or like a mountain in the distance and it will it'll basically isolate the, let's say there's a person standing on a, on a hill and there's a mountain backdrop. That person is going to be extremely dark, but that background is going to be metered for your lighting perfectly. So that's what you're metering off of as opposed to if you meter off the entire um, image, everything will kind of be balanced a little bit. Your sunset might be a little blown out if you meter off the person a little bit, but but yeah, I typically run in just in just the the matrix. I think it's called matrix metering. It's just off the the entire image. Right, right. Yep. And then you know you have to where on those metering modes. And again, look this up. You're going to have to where you have like a spot metering, like a multi metering. Yeah. Um, you know the matrix where you're going to be able to pick and choose. Um, you know what you're metering off of. Um, obviously this depends also on the different camera settings that you have. And so when people ask, for example, um, what camera settings, what was your camera setting on for specific photos I've taken? It's not a horrible idea to ask, but in reality, if you know what you're doing, no, it doesn't mean (laughs) shit. It doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, there's some that you might get a little bit of, you know, tech tip or info. You're like, oh, okay. But, you know, in reality, there is so much variances in each situation that you're not going to get a whole lot from asking that question and getting an answer. And I'm not saying don't ask the question, but I'm saying you probably could put as much effort into Googling, you know, low light photography and, and learn it. And, and I learned that the hard way, be, not the hard way. I learned that the easy way, really. I asked one guy one question. He told me I took the photo, turned out like shit. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to just learn it because <laughs> I did exactly what he said, and this just sucks. And you have so much, you have um, illumination from moonlight. All right, that's a huge variable. That you know, unless you're yeah. there. But I fucking hate the moon for night photos. <laughs> it makes it very, very difficult for night photos. I mean, it's almost you don't even want to take your camera out and take no. good nightscapes with the moon out, unless you're looking for. I will say, taking camp photos with good moonlight isn't horrible. Yeah, it, it, solid. And the reason why that is, like, well, like immediately TJ knows, solid. That means I actually have more, um, I'll just say more to play with in the settings because 
I don't have to worry about faking it with a headlamp. I don't have to worry about a lot of different things because the moonlight is helping me to, I'll still have that darker look. I've got the night look, but I have more usable light. So my settings, um, I have more to play with on the settings of my camera where when you're just pitch black, ISO is going to be probably higher and then you run into your headlamp being blown out or these different things. And this is all stuff people are going to learn, but it's all questions I get asked. But let's talk about you want to stop a fish coming out of the water, which is an epic pain in the ass to catch that happening. <laughs> you, you're going to have to have a tripod to do that. But let's say we're, you and I are going to go fishing, TJ, and you're trying to catch the fish coming out of the water after my fly, literally bubbling up, and it's it's early summer, the hatch is out, and okay, well, I'll just do mine first. It, immediately one, it depends on how far I'm going to have to carry the damn lens, but 70 to 200 is probably going to be what I'm going to yeah. go with because I got some distance. I got some legs on it, and I can go to a 2.8 which is super fast because I don't need that much in focus. The a fish is only a big fish is only two inches wide, right? A trout is an inch and something. So I don't yeah. need a lot in focus, <laughs> but I'm going to have to be pretty critical on my um, focal point to make sure I get it right. I'm going to have it on a tripod. I'm going to have it on multi. Basically I'm going to be shooting as many frames per second as I can because one of them might come out clearer than the other. And really, yeah. honestly, what screwed me on this most is don't run on autofocus. Um, nope. Water fucks that up bad on autofocus for one, or it can. And two, let's say while you're, you know, whatever, let's say the, the wind blows and pulls the, 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 the fly away by a couple feet and you've got some clouds going on, so you're really going to have to be at like a 3.5 or a 2.8, that is out of that is out of frame now. That that is out of f focus. Um, now, what would you run if you were Jewish trying to do something like that? Um, we were fishing this past uh, whatever, and I ran that eighty-five one eight because you can. It's just if you run at a lower aperture, you can run at a higher shutter speed. Um, and so I, I think an eighty-five one eight or the seventy-two hundred two eight. Uh, that's what I'm going to be. Um, I don't necessarily know I'd be on a tripod just because I've, I, I like to move around. Um, I, if I take, if you see me post one photo, I have three or four other compositions that I didn't share. Um, I like to be able to move around and I've learned kind of just, uh, from taking so many photos, I guess, just on how to autofocus while not being on a tripod, but yeah, I, I would probably definitely at a shallower depth of field and you're trying to get that fish. Um, and, and truly depending on their camera, you're going to probably want to be on the center weighted autofocus. So it's basically the center point in your camera is going to be the best for autofocusing. Um, it's going to, you're going to have the best results and you can always, let's say you shoot back a little bit, you can always crop in, um, and get the composition that you want. I think the crop tool is a great way to like set your composition. It's not necessarily just to like cut out something you don't want, but it's also, it, it helps you compose that photo and you can kind of cut out unwanted dead space or whatever and help you tell that story a little better. 
Um, but yeah, I'm going to be at the same. So, I mean, depending on if it's cloudy or not, I'm going to be at least at five hundredth of a second or try to be just because, and then obviously the high, the high shutter speed or the high, um, I don't even know what the hell it's called now. I'm trying to think the high shutter mode, whatever it is, there's a dial. Um, I think it's, uh, in Canon, it's called drive, um, that you would change that to where you're basically shooting. So let's say your camera shoots at nine frames a second. That's what I would be shooting in. Um, you're not going to want to just take one photo at a time. Right, right. And, I, and I'll say to, to kind of go off of, I would agree with what TJ said with the no um, tripod thing. But uh, except for I get lazy and uh, I get tired of holding the camera up. And so if you're going to probably get more and potentially better photos if you're moving around. You may get a more crisp photo with the tripod. Um, depending oh, for the, sure, yeah. It depends on how fake you're making it. So when I say fake, if it's just a guy fishing and you're trying to do it, there's no way in hell you can use a tripod. If it's a guy fishing that you say cast right here, and then I take my tripod and I manually, you know, <laughs> roll it up to that fly and we're purposely taking the photo. And I should have mentioned this. Yeah. That's why I wanted a tripod because I had that guy specifically cast and he and I are coincident working uh, hand in hand together. So as he's stripping in the line, I know and I'm following it in. Now, if the dude's just fishing and I'm trying not to bother him, there's no way in hell you could do that with a tripod. But we were doing this recently or not recently last year and the tripod worked like Fred and Frank. Uh, well, it started there. And then the next trip is when we, you know, cause we were screwing around with, we, dude, that was bad lighting sun right in our face. And, <laughs> and we were trying yeah. to, we were slaying fish and photography was definitely not at the high point of that trip. But the, <laughs> um, uh, you know, but when we were doing that for, you know, for example, cause Fred's another guy who's a great photographer. Um, yeah, he's a badass. Oh yeah, and he's a freak of nature, you know. But you're you're really on those trips because you're hiking so far in. You're more pigeonholed by the amount you can carry um, than you are anything. Just, I mean, there's some guys that will you know pack in quite a bit, but for the most part, I really like when we go into those. I take a wide angle and sometimes a fifty, and that's all I take. Which you can get great photos with that, but you are you know, the legs of your lens and the things that they're capable of um, can only go so far and then you're kind of stuck. Well, I got some crazy night shots where I was kind of kneeling by a rock and we were cleaning some fish, you know, with, you know, the the landscape behind me. That's easy to get with a 35, you know, but let's say I'm trying to get, um, you know, someone reeling in a fish at a distance of even 50 yards, a 50 millimeter is just not going to get it. Um, you know, it just yeah. doesn't have enough legs on it. And so you have to take that into consideration. The only thing I'm rambling about this is people call me and they'll have a kit lens of a 24 to 240, which by numbers is a great op. I mean, you think it's good, <laughs> but it's a shitty lens and you're going to get bad photos. Um, I mean, what do you think about that anyway? Yeah, no, um, I don't recommend anyone to buy the kit lens. I recommend everyone to buy the body only and then buy nicer glass. You can, there's a, there's a photographer. I don't even remember what his name is. Um, he takes some of the most badass portrait photos I've ever seen with like the background, like amazing. He has the Nikon D750, but his photos blow mine away, but he has a 
$5,600 lens. He has that Nikon 200mm F2. Dude, I mean, that lens, it looks like a fucking, it looks like a fucking bazooka, like in the front of your camera, but it, the, like the quality. So like, I think buying higher quality lenses is definitely something. So, and I think on the last podcast, Sam said something about don't spend, if you have four grand on your budget, don't spend $3,200 on a body and $800 on a lens. You're most likely going to get a lot better results if you, let's say, spend $1,200 $1,200 on a body like that Nikon D750 or Canon 60 Mark II, and then you spend $1,800 on a one really nice lens and really master that lens before you buy another one. Um, I didn't go that route. Um, I like I went full retard on, on that, <laughs> and I uh, I just I I have a whole bunch of lenses, and especially with Sony. I I had a lot of money spent into that that system but i would recommend not buying the kit lenses um i don't even i think it's like an 18 to 55 whatever three five to five six i think that's like the standard lens yeah it's horrible like it's i would recommend just buying the body um and don't and like aaron said before don't uh don't shed away from buying something used or even like i buy all my lenses the last three lenses i've bought i bought refurbished or like like new used off amazon prime because they're guaranteed so you have 30 days minimum to i like and you make sure you use the shit out of it make sure there's nothing wrong with it but um buy them used or refurbished and you're gonna save yourself a lot of money my wife bought me for a, a wedding present she bought me that 14 to 24 to 8 um i think new that camera or, or that lens is two grand two grand or 1900 um I think she got it used and it was flawless. It was like $1,300 off Amazon or BH, either off Amazon or B&H photo um, that it was used. And like, I haven't had any issues. Um, it, came, it came super clean and, and just make sure that you look at like, uh, like the rating, like on B&H photo, they, I don't remember what the system is that they use, but they have rankings of how, used or new it is and i and i wouldn't like on these i think it's like an eight or above is something i would look at but i i definitely say don't don't like shy away from used lenses because lenses retain their value i've even made money on a lens because i bought it used um and then the value like i was able to resell it for a hundred dollars more than what i bought it for just because it was in perfect shape and i think i just got a really good deal on it so yeah, and I, I go through Inglewood camera for a lot of my stuff because they'll buy and sell used gear. They're out of Colorado here. And, you know, you can go in there and um, I'm trying to think like uh, the so for the Sony, the 5518 is one of their, it's not that expensive of a lens, but it's 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 rated as one of their highest, their, their best lenses. I mean, literally everybody loves that. You can find that lens in there for super, super cheap, and it's an amazing lens. I've got it. It's light. I've got it with me all the time because it doesn't weigh anything. And, uh, you know, so Inglewood Camera is definitely a great place to go. You can call them and just give them a budget, and they can tell you what they have used. And they don't sell anything that sucks. I mean, you know, if it's if – it's, they won't buy it from someone if it's got issues, obviously, so they're not going to resell it. But, yeah, definitely Craigslist if you don't got – you know, not get involved in a drug deal with crackhead selling – shitty stole. Uh, <laughs> you can find some good deals on Craigslist. And then when you buy a used camera, just find out what the shutter count is. Um, 
you know, sometimes I've found Googling around, you'll get a guy, well, this happened with Amy. I bought Amy a 65, an A6500. I think it probably had a shutter count of 36. I don't know. She didn't use it. Um, and uh, I ended up selling that thing and I got a decent deal on it when I bought it. And so, you know, when I sold it, I didn't, you know, I didn't make, I mean, I didn't make any money off it, but I didn't lose any. And so you can find really good yeah, deals. Yeah, you're not taking a hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, uh, again, just so people, um, you know, if you're looking to buy, you know, get into a high-end camera on a relatively, not low budget, but moderate budget, I mean, a, I'll just list off a bunch of cameras to, to look at, and then and, and you can tell me, you know, what you think, you know. So full-frame, you know, quote-unquote pro-level, um, not new, um, you know, to save some money. Uh, I'm going to say a Canon 5D Mark III uh, is one that, that is not bad, that takes great photos. You can find super cheap now. The Nikon D750 and 810, uh, I'm not as much of a fan of the 800, but the 810, uh, the Sony, the A7 III, A7R2, you can find those. Um, I mean, there's more than that, and you can list more. You're up on this more than I am. You can find all of those uh, camera bodies for 1200 to eh, 1600 used, I would say. Is that pretty close, the way you can find those used for? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, um, especially um, since it's been out for a while. I mean, I think Canon really screwed the, screwed it up with the 5D4. But that um, that 5D3, my buddy has it. He bought it used. Um, dude, that camera, it takes really good photos. If you put some nice glass, when I say glass, I mean lenses, um, in, in front of it, it's going to take amazing photos. I think he spent 16. It, it, I think you're right in line. It's about 16 to 18 hundred, depending on like condition. Um, definitely like look at shutter count, but I also, I would say even like, look, if you wanted to get into budget full frame, the 6D Mark one, the original, uh, it's like six years old, I believe. But I mean, it's going to get you good cameras and you're, you're going to be in that full frame range if you can bump up your budget a little bit. Um, I bought my wife that 60 Mark II. She in in like July. She's just now starting to use it and took it out of the box, which we've gotten in many fights. I'm like, she'll like have her camera. We're in Banff, and she's like taking her her phone out. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, I'm like get your camera out. Like I'm like, you want to drive? Because this shit's epic right here. And I'm like, I want to take a photo with the camera. Um, uh, Amy that, and I've had the same that, argument. <laughs> uh that 60 mark ii is pretty legit um and i think the the d750 is really good as well um and then like obviously yeah that i i would probably steer you to the a7 III over the a7r2 mainly for battery life um and then like auto focusing you don't necessarily need 42 point whatever uh that's a lot of mega donkeys <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and and I that's another <laughs> like donkeys. I didn't I'd never heard of that before. That was funny. Um that I would say another caveat on that, you might think that you like you or that you need that many megapixels, but your cam your your computer better be fucking fast and you, like you might have you have to have a lot of RAM and a lot of hard drive space cuz it eats it up quick cuz like some photo like what what's a raw photo out of the DA50 like 90 90 megabytes or whatever 
it, it takes up it, quite a bit. It, it can or eighty something. I would say fifty-eight on the low end and ninety on the high end. And yeah, give you an, just so people understand where if you're photographing arrows in flight, okay, and you're photographing to catch an arrow flexing coming out of the bow, and you do that for thirty minutes, let's say. And you're shooting on, you know, rapid fire, drive mode, your multiple photos per second. By the time you're said and done, 1,200 to 2,000 photos isn't out of the question. Easily. Yeah, because you're, you're rapid fire and you're looking for that perfect photo. And you will end up basically crushing one standard computer from one photo shoot. When I say standard, one $450 to $500 Dell that you buy to get your kid on the internet, <laughs> you've crushed it. There's nothing left. Um, you know, if you take 2,080, you got to do the math, 80 megabyte photos. I mean, you basically can hear the computer go, because it, it's sucking every bit of memory it has out of it. And then, so that's something you definitely need to look at. The other thing too to look at is in low light, more megapixels isn't always a good thing unless you really have your crap dialed together. One of the reasons the Sony A7S series does well in low light is it doesn't have, it's it's a lower megapixel camera. Now that's not as good for photography in other situations, but in low light, it's better. And, I, and I'm not going to do very well explaining it because of the different square, you know, the amount of squares in the photo or whatever. But just because a camera says 40 something megabytes, uh, or megapixels doesn't always mean it's a good thing if you're a megapixel guy. Some the, everything has to coincide with each other. So definitely do your diligence on researching what you're wanting to get into. Yeah, no, I I agree 100. percent Yeah, that I think the the S2 I think it has 12 megapixels and it's it's more video. It's yeah a lot better for video or if you're solely doing like astro photography um, at night. But I mean. Yeah, so I, I truly think anywhere from twenty four to thirty is a is actually like a really good is a really good range. Um yeah, so like truly for like Sony I would recommend like the A seven three. Um I heard it's legit and you can in the, the, the autofocus points go edge to edge in that in the on the sensor, which is nice, which you don't get with the DSLR and um that's a, another advantage to mirrorless as well so like and that's another thing like when looking so i i would say when you're looking into getting a camera and you're wanting to do video um and 4k is an issue or, or in that and that's something that's like a selling point for you you're probably going to be uh in the sony system just because uh in order to get 4k you're going to have to spend a lot a lot of money on the canon side um and then uh yeah, the, those autofocus points on a DSLR, they're typically set, and there's not nearly as many. So, like, on mine, I think I run 15 uh, autofocus points. And then just because if you get too many of them, it just it starts to kind of uh, – your autofocusing kind of goes down. But on, like, a mirrorless system, you're able to, to have autofocus points across the entire sensor and uh, – and then also, like, another thing on the mirrorless, the, the eye uh, detect is pretty pretty clutch. Um, it's something I definitely do miss in the Sony system. 
and that's something you always want to focus. Aaron said it before. You want to focus on their eye because that's kind of where you're, you, when you look at something, your eye goes towards that. Uh, and you want to make sure that their eye is in focus and, and not like, and that's another thing, like with shooting wide open, if you, and when I say wide open, I mean like shooting at an F1.8 or 1.4, if you're really close and you focus on their nose, their eye will be out of focus. And then, I mean, the photo's not going to look good. You're going to have to just delete it. One thing to think about too, when you're talking about, you know, shooting the different photos and in autofocus and everything else, as you kind of learn this, um, there's going to be certain situations where you're going to be able to get away with, yeah, I'd say murder, but murder with your photo, meaning it's cloudy, but you still have great light. Pretty much do whatever you want at that point and have a good, yep. not at whatever, but I'm the best photographer on a cloudy day. I always make jokes about that. There's no harsh light. Um, it's <laughs> true, dude. <laughs> and harsh light's a, a, a problem. And so when you, for example, when we're shooting and you're talking about that depth of field, the, the F-stop, and you're trying to catch a an arrow in flight and stop that arrow. Much easier to do with a stick bow because it's not flying as fast. Your shutter speed is going to have to be fast, at least one in five hundredths, at least. Well, yeah, minimum. If you're f- firing from behind, you don't know where that f- freaking arrow you're where you're going to catch it. So you're going to have to have a higher depth of field in hopes to have it in focus. But the higher depth of field you go, the less light you have, which means your shutter speed is probably not going to be as fast as you want or you're not going to see the arrow at all because it's dark. But then you go from being behind the archer to beside the archer. Now, the plane of my photo, I don't need that much depth because I'm parallel to the arrow going down range, if if this makes any sense. And so... I don't need to be at a super high depth of field because everything's on the same plane for the most part. And, and I'm trying to do this as an example so people understand what I'm talking about. So if I'm trying to catch an arrow out of the bow, which you've seen tons that we do, when I go to the side, I may go from F8 to F4, which is a ton of light that you're actually, you can gather because now I'm at F4, I can bump my ISO down for for one or keep it the same, but I can bump my shutter speed like crazy to be able to stop that arrow in flight. And these are the kind of things to where once you learn photography, like if TJ and I showed up to to shoot, I don't really need to go tell him anything. He's already going to know what to do to where when you're first starting, you're going to have 7,000 shitty photos, right? You're not going to, I mean, that might be on the low end. you there's going to be so many things that you're trying to figure out and get frustrated over, but you can learn relatively quickly by just Google and trial, trial and error. And and that's where all these things come into play that we're talking about. And like TJ was talking about, I, I missed it because I had to go pee, but um, when you're talking about like the autofocus and the different things that these cameras do, most of the time people don't even know how to use the potential of what their camera has for autofocus. Some of these cameras can capture multiple faces. Um, You can run side to side and they'll track where you actually have to know what setting to put your camera on to use this. But if you're trying to catch, let's say your dog running around um, and you're trying to do it on autofocus with center, center autofocus single shot. I mean, what are you going to probably have 
one out of every 50 that the dog's in focus running around, right? I mean, or something, you know what I mean? We're yeah, not or, the, no. or the tail will be in focus and their face will be blurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is all shit I've done many times incorrectly. Um, yeah, so like the arrow thing, like I won those basics arrows from you guys from that photo thing, and um, we went up to uh, Dolores. Uh, my in-laws have a cabin up near there in Colorado. And then, uh, I, I set the camera up for my wife to take the photos, which her doing like holding the 7,200 with the D850 and the, the battery. She's like, this is fucking heavy. She's like, I don't think I want a 7,200. She's like, how the fuck do you hold this, carry this around all the time? And I'm like, I told you it's, it's heavy. And then, uh, and so like I set it up, I think I set it and, and, and this is like a thing, like I think aperture priority um, is some, like when you don't necessarily know uh, when the lighting is different uh, and you're, you have mixed lighting is when I typically run aperture priority. So what aperture priority is, I'll set the aperture at 2.8. And if I set my ISO, it'll select the, sh the shutter speed commensurate to be based upon that. So um, it was set on that. And we were getting some really bad photos because she's like, these look, these look like shit. And I'm like, okay. And I forgot I w it was in aperture priority because we were taking photos of the dogs down by the river. Well, when I, I had to go into manual and I had, I think I set it to a thousand, one thousandth of a second. And I think ISO of like 800. I think I did 800 because it was a cloudy day and it was snowing. And I got some pretty sick photos of those basic arrows and or my wife did actually. Uh, I just set up the camera and she actually did a pretty good job with doing it, but I set up the camera and she, I just told her where to focus. I said, just focus on the sight of the bow or whatever. And she ended up focusing on an arrow in flight, uh, which was pretty sick. And you can see like the four fletch and everything. Perfect. Um, it was pretty badass. but yeah, it, you, you have to know on how to set it up and you can just look up, um, use Google. I, I think people just like, people ask you questions and it's not, you can't apply every scenario to what you're doing. Everything's different. Like I live in Arizona. It's fucking hot and it's sunny out all the time and lighting sucks. Like it's not, it's not cloudy. So when it's cloudy, I get like jacked to the roof to go take photos because um, it, you have a lot more play with your photos and stuff. And um, you're not going to have that, those harsh, that harsh lighting. Right, right. And, you know, you look at like guys will talk and ask me about, let's say, stopping like snow. So, when you know, when you get you're not going to get well, unless you get lucky, you're probably not going to be able to stop snow coming down on auto. And so, you know, you think about it, you take a photo and you have it on auto and it's low light, um, you know, or or average light to low light or whatever, the camera's going to set that up to what it thinks is the best situation. But it, that doesn't mean the camera has an artistic side to it. It's just taking variables yeah. of different mathematical equations to give you what it thinks you're going to want. If you want to stop snow, you're going to need your shutter open and shut really, really fast to stop that snow. But that's not going to be a whole lot of, of light let in. And so you're probably going to have to bump up your ISO, bump your shutter speed down, cheat the, cheat the system a little bit with your ISO. And then depending upon what you're going to want in focus, you're going to need to adjust your aperture accordingly. But then you're also going to want to 
I, for me, shooting, you definitely want to shoot in manual focus because some cameras are they're going to catch the damn snow. You're not going to get, you're not going to get to the object you want. And so, let's say you're, you know, 20 feet back from a teepee and you want the teepee to be in focus, or or someone standing there fishing in the snow, you're going to want to manually focus on that specific person. Um, and then you're going to want to adjust your shutter speed. I take a look at my histogram. I want to make sure one, he's not moving a whole lot because I'm already cheating the system with movement and he's probably going to be blurry because the guy that's fishing may be my focal point, but the photo I'm taking, the snow is really what's going to capture the people. You know, the guy may be the focal point, but the snow is important. And so now I may tell him to fake it, um, and, and stop moving while he's fishing to stop that snow the snow grabs you and the and this is what i'm talking about as far as paying attention to your background and foreground um if i had blurry snow and strings of it it's just not the same as stopping those snowflakes and it kind of ruins capturing that moment yeah no i 100 percent agree yeah you're gonna you want to make sure that you have that shutter speed that that I, I think, yeah, one five hundredth is, is typically a good starting place, and that's kind of where I, I based my, my, uh, n- my neck setting off of that photo um, I, after I'm looking at the back of the camera. I'll say, okay, well, that looks like shit, and it does. It looks like straight. It doesn't look good when it's, when it's like it's streams of snow. I, I, it definitely looks a lot better when you stop that. Right, right. And then let's say if you're talking, you know, like I've caught um... – drops of water coming off uh, um, an icicle. Okay, well, then you need that bad boy super fast. Okay, so you've went from, um, you know, being pretty fast stopping snow, right, to now you're trying to stop stop one drop, um, you know, coming down. Now you're talking about screaming fast shutter speed, especially if you're trying to catch it on, you know, multiple drops, you know, coming on the way down or whatever, then you're going to go to potentially maybe even a faster shutter speed. But let's say you want it to have that really long look, you know what I mean? Where it's really this long drip coming down. Now you're talking about going with a relatively show, sh- slow shutter speed, but with the variables of the lighting in the back, the, you know, surrounding lighting, these are all the things of my initial guess is exactly that. It's a guess, and that's where TJ's talking about that one in five hundredths. That's your starting point to figure out, you know, more or less how much that photo sucks, and then you build off of that and adjust accordingly. And that's with obviously, you know, any any photo. But um, we're working on like an hour and thirty here. Is there anything else you'd say, kind of getting started and kind of rapidly going from beginner not knowing anything to, to taking pro photos that you would suggest to people? Um, I, I would say also use what you have. Uh, definitely have your camera take as many just take photos of what you what you like 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 you were saying earlier um if you're passionate about it you're gonna be you're gonna get better photos from that because you're you're excited you're like oh and then when you get those photos on the back of the camera you're, you're like i can't wait to get them and edit them but I, I would say use what you have as well um don't always think oh uh, I, I need, I need this lens or I need that. Like, yeah, obviously if you're getting paid for a job, yeah, you might need that lens. But if you're just a hobbyist and whatever, like if you, okay, I have a 7200, like I, I take landscape photos all the time with the 7200. I I think they, you kind of, you tell a different story with it. 
um, I, I think using what you have is a really good, is something that you just need to do and, and, and make do with what you have and, uh, and taking your camera out and taking it everywhere and learn your camera. And when you look at your settings, learn off of those. So, and like I said earlier, um, like that, that's truly what I did it, for the past three years. I constantly, and you have to stay with it because in, and there's stuff that, um, I, I'm still learning. And I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not like a, a genius when it comes to it. Like I did just like, Oh, I super intuitive. I've posted <laughs> up, I've taken some shitty, I've taken some shitty fucking photos and I'm like, Man, when I first started, like, they were horrible. I think I had just bought that DT1, and I borrowed my sister-in-law's camera. It, it was that T5i that you mentioned earlier um, that she had. And I was like, I was like, ISO, I was just turning dials. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I got, like, two good, like, I say too good, but they were good for what I got. But the other photos are just fucking shitty. So just turn the dials, like figure out figure out what the dials mean, and and learn your camera. Um, watch tutorials like Tony and Ch Tony and Chelsea Northrop. They post photo, uh, videos relatively on almost every, obviously not kit cameras like the like the like the real lower end ones you get from like Sam's Club. They probably aren't doing the reviews on those, but they're going through and they'll tell you exactly what setting each and every one throughout the menu learn your menu and then also learning the layout of your camera like you said with like that links photo um like knowing like you're not going to always be presented with a shot and have a lot of time so if you know your camera like on a nikon like the aperture and shutter they have designated dials on the front and back of it at the top and like canon they have the wheel like on the canon 6d for the aperture and you can set it you need to know okay i need I need a faster shutter, so I'm going to do this. So knowing your camera in the moment is also going to help you get those shots. No, no, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, and, and again, make sure you always have your, your camera with you. And I will give you a prime example of this before we leave of me being a dummy. We went to the archery range. I was going to bring my camera. Now, keep in mind right now, I have two Nikon 850s, two A7R3s. And so many lenses that you would shit if you knew what I had, right? So it's not that I don't have the lenses or the cameras. I didn't bring the camera. We go to the range, and I just was going to film um, arrows in flight and, and Amy shooting, whatever. Uh, eagle was dive bombing a bald eagle, the geese, at the archery range, and I didn't have my fucking camera. And the most epic things you could ever imagine that I had the best lighting to do. It was partially cloudy, no harsh light, and I missed all of it. Probably the one of the most epic scene I would have ever had because I'm a jackass and I didn't bring my camera. And rewind that. Have you ever seen the photo I took of the hawk eating the rabbit? Yeah. Okay. I caught a hawk eating a rabbit, dive bombed it, and then it allowed me to get under it while the poor little rabbit was slung over the top of the tree, pecking the hell out of it. But I had my camera. Now, that was harsh lighting, but I brought it. And it could be that from um, elk crossing the road or what, you know, if you have your camera, 
you know, you're not going to get a good photo if it's at the house. And I am victim of this. I, I'm bad about it. I have to bring it even in the most mundane circumstances. I have to bring my camera with me. So make sure that and, and learn the settings. So, well, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on here as well as your support to Kafaru and, and appreciate the friendship as well. So, I, uh, man, I'll stop yeah, taking up here. your time. Oh, you're good. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for having me on. And, um, oh, yeah, I love the, I love the gear. I'm, I'm addicted. My wife is, is, uh, they make all my, all my family and like my wife and their, our friends make fun of me. They're like, <laughs> there was a, a video real quick before we go. There was, uh, my, my friend's wife posted a video of like her under a barbecue shelter and she's like, hashtag Kafaru <laughs> <laughs> and sent it to me. Like it was like a TT, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, I love the gear. Um, and yeah, I'll definitely be a customer for life. It's, it's uh and i think it's i think it's the friendship that it was also built off of so no definitely where can people find you then on social media uh so like my personal page where i post kind of everything i don't get a hunt as much as aaron but um my personal page is like instagram is tjm perez and then if you want to follow like portraiture work that i do like that kind of i get paid to do it's tj perez photography um and then just tjperez.com um, I have a website where all my works works on and stuff, and then Facebook just TJ Prez. Gotcha. Yeah, he gets to take some photos of some hotties, so yeah, definitely hop on there. Um, and some buff <laughs> chicks will probably beat your ass. So, um, well, man, I appreciate you coming on, and definitely we'll stay in touch and get you on again at some point. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. All right, take it easy. <laughs>